Hello, I'm Bradley Hayes and I'm an FYT doctor working in South East London. And welcome to the Class of Corona, a podcast for final year medical students about to start working in the NHS. We're still actively recording, so get in contact with us if you have any questions or concerns. And we're now working in partnership with FDocs, who have a huge range of content for FIOI1s about to start as well. This week's episode is the first of a two-parter on jobs. So let's get on with the podcast. Uh, so before we start the questions, I'm going to hand you over to our esteemed panel. Uh, do you mind introducing yourselves? Hi, I'm Laura. I am an F3 doctor currently doing a fellow job in paediatrics in London. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm an F3 doctor currently working on a respiratory ward in a London hospital. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm an F2 doctor working in A&E uh, in South London. So you've just finished the ward round and you've been handed this jobs list, which I've linked in the description below. What jobs are you going to do first and why would you prioritise them that way? Again, we've talked about this a little bit before. It's all situational. So these discussions that need to happen, are they, are they very urgent? Is the CT, for example, are the CT results going to change immediate management? Is the patient very unwell? Do we need to get something discussed with endocrinology as a, as a matter of urgency? If they're urgent and acute problems, I potentially might start with those and get them out of the way. Otherwise, uh, they could usually wait till the afternoon. Yes, I think it's like Dan said, you've got to think about what you want to do today. And I think things like if bloods need it's a good idea to get them done early on in the day because you're going to be waiting for those results for the rest of the day. And if you leave them until lunchtime, then you won't have the results back until late in the afternoon. And similarly, getting scans organised, um, that there's often quite a few scans that have to be done in the day. So if, you're, if you don't organise it until the afternoon, the chances of your patient having a scan that day massively go down. So it's kind of getting bloods done and getting scans organised should be your top priorities in the morning straight after the ward round so that you can follow up the results on the same day rather than having to hand things over. And if there are more than one of you on the ward um, you, you can definitely like, delegate similar jobs to one person so for example I'd quite like to do the blood round so you could you could just like get all the blood stuff ready for all three patients on that list and just go do a little mini phleb round while one of your colleagues cracks on with some other jobs. Likewise, colleague, you know, if you've got two colleagues, one could be doing odd jobs, running around, going to radiology, you know, coming back, going to a different department as well. So the other one sits down at a computer and does the computer jobs. Again, it's just efficiency of time. So I think another thing to bear in mind, especially when you're going to be discussing with other specialties, is think about when's the best time to do this. If you imagine if it was you, nobody wants to be run up five to five when they're about to walk out the door. So if you're going to ring a specialty, it's better to ring either early afternoon or in the morning and also just little things like if you ring over lunch they're probably not going to answer because they may be having lunch. I think something that I didn't perhaps realise at the start when I when I first started was that uh, some jobs are time critical and and have to be done by a certain time so for example TTOs, um, EDNs, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that I'm sure in more detail a bit later on but that medication needs to be made up in pharmacy and that all takes time so often they have a a, a kind of a cut-off time um early afternoon often whereby these have to get done by um, but often if you've got multiple discharges on any one ward and that's going to pile up the pharmacist would preferably like to have all of them done by kind of late morning so they can get cracking with their own uh, afternoon and, and make those medications up so I think, I think some really good points have been raised. 
prioritizing jobs seems to be a balance of two things. So first up would be patient safety. I think anything that has to happen urgently as a matter of patient safety, we should be thinking about doing first. Um, and then there's an also uh, for people that are being discharged, you might want to prioritize their jobs first if it will help get them discharged out of hospital. You've talked through the principles of job prioritization. Now, if we look at this jobs list, what would you guys do first, if there were two of you? As long as there was no one acutely unwell on the ward and no one that needed an urgent review, um, I personally would definitely like to get the bloods done first because there are three sets of bloods to be done and all these results are going to take at least a couple of hours to come back and they may or may not change patient management for the rest of the day. So I'd get the bloods done first. Um, and if there was a second person with me, maybe an SHO or a fellow F1, um, I definitely would ask them to crack on with some of the other jobs. Next thing would be going to radiology to discuss the scan. And then after that, probably discussing with the specialties to try and get some advice in before lunch. And then you would move on to getting your discharge letters written. Um, and then that leaves your afternoon free to review the bloods and the scans that you organised in the morning and discuss with the family when you're not worrying about lots of other jobs that are going on so that you can sort of give them your full attention without being distracted and worrying about what else you've got to do. Uh, just as a, a quite simple thing that I didn't realise before I started is you can often get bloods added on. So if you have bloods taken in the morning, you can do an add-on if a consultant wants a specific test. Have a look if you can just add the test on rather than having to take a whole new set of bloods. And this can save you time and is obviously better for the patient as well. And also, um, there are sometimes little tips and tricks that you can you can do if you're if you've got lots of jobs and you feel a bit overwhelmed, um, such as you might have put some bloods out for the phlebotomists to take if if you're lucky enough to have phlebotomists, um, and they often come round in the morning and and do the blood round. If on your on your ward round the plan is to take more bloods, you might miss the phlebotomist, or you might be you might be able to print off blood tests and just hand them to, to them and say do you mind just doing this extra set of blood tests for me which will save you a job after the ward round. That's a really good point actually um, often on the ward it, there is more than just the doctors that can bleed patients often actually a lot of the nurses are wicked at cannulas and blood tests as well so if you're having a particularly busy day use your resources which may be other colleagues from other teams on the ward so you I mean, could always approach one of the nurses and ask them are they trained in taking bloods would they mind doing these for you and you can always help them by preparing the blood trolley for them and things like that but it may just give you that extra five ten minutes that you need to do something else yeah and uh, go, just going back to that list on that point there is there are certain jobs which have to be done by a doctor um but a lot of the jobs probably 50 percent of the jobs don't have to be done by a doctor it's just your responsibility to make sure they happen and, and your responsibility to chase the results um, so if you are feeling overwhelmed then you know delegation and, and asking for help and uh, from the from the wider team is is perfectly acceptable and and um, good time management whilst you crack on with the the other things that that have to be done by a clinician i think there were loads of concerns from people about clinical skills especially probably not being able to get into hospital as much as as we were able to previously and um, prior to starting. Do you guys have any points about being able to do clinical skills or being able to alleviate any of those concerns? So I think the, you know, the, the thing to remember is that everybody has been in the situation where it's your first day, you're gonna be a bit nervous, everybody misses cannulas, everybody misses bloods, even, even all of us still, we still have a bad day. And I think 
asking someone for the first time, be like, would you mind just coming with me just to make sure that I'm doing it right? Teach me how to use these cannulas. Every hospital has different cannulas and different stuff to take bloods. And it takes a little while to get used to that. So don't be afraid to just ask for some pointers. And again, this is something that the nurses on your wards are a really good point of call for because they'll be very familiar with it. They'll be there. They're doing it all of the time. And if they can help you to do it one time, then that's less times that they're going to have to do it in the future. So don't be afraid to ask for help or to say, I've tried, I can't do it. We've all been in that situation and nobody's going to get annoyed with you for it. And if you are in that situation and you are asking for help, something I found very useful is then going with that person to see how they do it and how they maybe troubleshoot problems when when they can't find a vein and, and what they do, what steps they take to you know be able to perform that task. Um, again, it's just trying to find little tips and tricks here and there uh, from colleagues. I think it's key to try not to shy away. To, to have a go, to, to get involved, get stuck in. And then if you, if you haven't been able to successfully perform the skill, then ask for help and someone will be more than willing to, to help. It's not an issue. And I think another thing that definitely can't be underestimated, um, which may sound quite simple, but is to make sure that you're well prepared for that clinical skill that you're about to do. So even when you've done a cannula 50 times in the last few months already, making sure that you've got all the right equipment with you before going to see the patient. I think another important thing to remember is you're going to be a bit nervous and a bit anxious, but remember that you're doing it on a patient as well. So try, try and do it with a smile. Try and just chat to the patient while you're doing it. Try not to look flustered and get flustered because at the end of the day, there's somebody else on the end of that cannula that you're trying to get. And it's just really important to try and You'll get better at it as you go through where when things aren't quite going right, you can just keep that poker face on, keep smiling, just be like, oh, I'm really sorry, I've not managed, I'm just going to go and get one of my colleagues. And there's nothing wrong with that. But getting flustered and frustrated is, might make the patient a, bit, patient a bit more anxious, which makes it then a bit harder for other people to come in later to try and do it if you haven't got it. For me, it, it takes way longer collecting all the equipment to do a clinical skill than to actually do it. And I think when you're really busy, it can feel like you've got to rush everything as quickly as possible. So if you consider that it takes you five, 10 minutes just to get the stuff to do a cannula, giving yourself three or four minutes to look for a good vein, be happy in yourself that you're happy to do it, will actually end up saving you more time than if you are like, I'm in so much rush, I need to rush, do this as quickly as possible. And if it is a skill whereby you haven't been successful and you are escalating, um, remember that other people are also busy and something you can do to help if you're calling a colleague down to the ward is to have all the equipment set up for them when they come down so if you're having to for example call i don't know the the anesthetic sho to come and do a very 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 tricky cannula um make sure that you've got a cannula set there and you're at hand to give them a hand and to fetch them anything that they might need whilst they're performing that skill so most trusts now do have um, electronic notes, but some will still have paper charts. And one of the jobs you're going to be asked to do if you have paper charts is to rewrite drug charts. Do you guys have any tips for not making mistakes when you're doing drug charts? I loved rewriting a drug chart. I found it quite a cathartic job. Um, and especially if you, if you kind of lock yourself away and just sit with a bit of paper, it's quite nice. Um, when you rewrite drug charts, um, obviously, if you have to do it in paper form, the important thing is that you've got the old drug chart in front of you and you've got your nice new drug chart. And personally, I did it one page at a time um, and double check every 
prescription you do it's quite easy just to copy and paste and actually it's very also very easy to write something incorrect we actually had a discussion from one of our pharmacists at the start of the year he said that one of the most common drug errors that she had seen was drug charts being rewritten and just doses written incorrectly totally by mistake and um, so it's a really easy error to make so don't do it because it's very easy to get right um, so make sure your writing is nice and clear and once you've copied a whole page on the old drug chart um, I would double scratch it out with two big lines through the middle of the page and then sign it um, to show that that was intentional and do that for every single page on the drug chart. Even scratch out pages on the drug chart that are, are clear and have nothing on them just to make it clear that that drug chart is no longer in use. And then when you've redone the whole drug chart, I used to write right at the top, drug chart rewritten on today's date and signed. Um, and on the new drug chart, I would say rewrite at the top of that new drug chart since date. Just something to be aware of, which I think has happened to all of us when we've been on call before is in the middle of the night, you might get a call saying, oh, we've lost the drug chart. Can you come and rewrite it? Um, write us a new drug chart. And I just say with this, it's something that's quite difficult because the nurses often they want to be able to give their morning meds, but you need to be careful that you don't put yourself in a situation where you're writing a drug chart with drugs that you don't know for a patient you don't know. The safest thing in that situation to do is to ask them to really look for the drug chart, think about if there's anywhere else and see if there's anything. The best thing would be to wait for the morning team where there's a pharmacist who could help the team to rewrite a new drug chart with the patient's medical history. Don't be pressurized overnight if drug charts have been lost to rewrite something that you've never, for a patient you've never met and drugs that you don't know what they're on. Drug charts, unless there's something very urgent, can often wait until when the morning team arrive. And if you're writing a rewriting drug chart in the middle of the day, obviously make sure that you get the timings of the doses right, make like simple stuff, make sure that you write on the new drug chart that the morning doses have been given and that the evening doses are still needed to be given, for example, so patients don't end up missing doses or getting double doses. The lost drug chart inevitably turns up. Always. <laughs> it does always turn up. Always. Usually as you've started to write the new one. Or well, as you've finished oh, as writing. You finish. And when you've finished um, rewriting a drug chart, wards tend to have places where they like to keep the old drug charts that have been rewritten. We used to have a folder for all the old drug charts. And that's primarily for the pharmacists because they, in the morning they will come and double check your rewrite to make sure that it's correct. Um, and they will want to know where the old drug chart is. So just make sure that you don't put the old drug chart back in the patient's notes or out where it could be mistaken, but despite all your crossings out. So make sure it goes in the correct place after you finish rewriting it. And one really simple thing, which might be blaring the obvious, but always write drug charts in black pen. And, and if you're writing in medical notes, you write in a black pen. Um, that's the way it's done and across all sites. And that's just because blue pen fades, black pen doesn't. Um, and pharmacists always use green pens, so just make sure you've got a good supply of black pens when you start working. Well, guys, I think that's good for our first um, episode on, on jobs. I'd like to do a top takeaway tips. So my top takeaway tip would be that everyone's a bit rubbish at clinical skills when they start, but you end up doing them so many times that they become second nature and everyone's very good at them after a couple of weeks, honestly. My take-home message would be whatever job, task, clinical skill you've been asked to do, make sure you're well prepared for it and that you've thought through every eventuality of that job. Um, mine would be that um, 
you're all trained to perform these skills, so don't shy away from them. Have a go, build some confidence. Um, and if you can't, if you're unsuccessful for whatever reason, then escalate and then try and watch the um, senior or your colleague perform that skill and try and learn something from them. I think my top take home message would be it's definitely worth just taking five, ten minutes at the end of your ward round to write a good jobs list and sit down with you or your team and just think, okay, what's urgent, what needs to be done now and what can wait? And taking that extra 10 minutes will mean that the rest of your day is much less stressful and much more organised. I think actually Rachel's jobs lists are well known. I may actually include um, her template in the PDF in the description <laughs> below. I will allow my template to be publicised. <laughs> I think we've had like four wards that use the same template. <laughs> I remember being on call with you, Rachel, for the first time, and I was like mesmerised by, <laughs> by this list. So thank you guys for listening. We're going to um, talk through other jobs that you can do, mainly off the ward, such as discussions with specialties and discussion with radiology and how to do EDMs, death verifications and all those other jobs in our next episode. So thank you for listening. Thank you.